You don't want to mix up these two. <laughs> That'll be me sorted. Good evening. How, how, do you, how do you minister after a time like that? True story. So while you sit there, you can pray for me. <laughs> Out of the saucer. That's true. Guys, I want to thank you for opening your heart. I want to thank you for just your hospitality. I know I speak on behalf of Ange and I. It has been, it, it has been a rich time for us. We have, we have received. We have received impartation here. Um, and we want to take it back to Joburg. We want to take it back to Upper Room. And tonight, I want to just, I want to continue talking about the Holy Spirit. I want to talk about how we can grow in, in our awareness to the Holy Spirit. I want to talk about the river of the Holy Spirit. That's what I want to talk about. But before I say anything, just as I was driving home from this morning, I had this phrase come to me, or I, I asked myself this question, what would it look like for a river to flow out of the heart of man? What would it look like for the great river of the Holy Spirit to flow out of the heart of man? And as I, as I, as I asked myself this question, as I began to imagine what it could look like, I was reminded of something that, that I heard many, many years ago, but has stuck with me ever since I've heard it. It was, it was something that Evan Roberts Evan Robert said um, during the great Welsh revival. He said this, he said that for revival to come to earth, revival first needs to come to the heart of man. For revival to come to earth, revival first needs to come to the heart of man. What would it look like for the great river of the Holy Spirit to flow out of the heart of man? It's when, it's when revival comes to the heart of man. We cannot contain Him. We cannot contain Him. What the Holy Spirit has begun to do within Glenridge is not meant to be contained. It's not meant to stay amongst the four walls of this building. What the Holy Spirit has begun to do here is meant to go out, is meant to, to touch the people out there. Amen? And so tonight, as I said, I want to talk about the river of God. I want to talk about the river of the Holy Spirit. But before I, before I really get into what I feel the Lord has, has asked me to come and share with you tonight, I want to just pre prepare your grid of understanding around the natural and the, and the spiritual. The natural and the spiritual. And I touched on it this morning uh, just a little bit, but there's so much more that I can say with regards to the natural and the spiritual. Most of what happened here tonight was not natural, it was spiritual. It was, it, it was happening spiritually over Glenridge and it started spilling over into the natural. It started raining spiritually long before it started raining naturally. The rains of God's Spirit became to, began to fall upon this church, began to fall upon lives here tonight long before it actually manifested in the natural. And when God begins to open your eyes to what actually happens spiritually, it's incredible what happens. Things have to shift. And there's, well, there's been a shift here. There's been a shift here this weekend. And a lot of what happened spiritually is still going to manifest in the natural in the weeks to come. Even for, for people here that have been longing for breakthrough, I want to say to you in the next 100, 120 days, you will see that breakthrough. It's already happened spiritually, but naturally it's going to start spilling over into your situation. 
So let me just talk a little bit. Let me just, let me just prepare your grid of understanding. Let me just give you a little bit more of a grid of understanding with regards to the natural and the spiritual. Because otherwise my message tonight's not really going to make any sense. You may as well just put your mind on flight mode. Someone once said this. He said that it is completely unnatural for the believer not to have an appetite for the supernatural. It's unnatural. It's unnatural for the church not to have an appetite for a manifestation of God's presence. It's unnatural. Yet so much of the church loves that part of Christianity where we just rely on intellectual head knowledge about the Trinity, where we, be, where we, can, where we rely completely on our ability to interpret Scripture through commentaries and, and all those amazing things that I also do love, but we neglect the leading of the Holy Spirit. It's unnatural. The Lord is calling the church back into the supernatural. The Lord is calling the church back into the Spirit-led life. That's what I'm trying to say to you. And I'm completely okay with that statement that it is unnatural for believers not to have an appetite for the supernatural, the spiritual, for a couple of reasons. But one of the, one of the biggest reasons I'm okay with that statement is this, is that the very born-again experience is more spiritual than natural. The very born-again experience is more spiritual than natural. That's why Nicodemus, Nicodemus really struggled to get his, his head around what Jesus was saying when Jesus said to him, Nicodemus, you have to be born again. Because he was thinking that Jesus was talking about a natural birth, but Jesus was talking about a spiritual birth. The day you got saved, something spiritually took place. I was dead, I am alive, and I've got a future inheritance. I've got an eternal inheritance that is accessed through relationship with the Holy Spirit. Why can I go with this statement with all of my heart? I find it so weird how believers can almost, almost preach with conviction that they are okay with the born-again experience but not expect the supernatural and the spiritual in their day-to-day -day lives. It's completely weird. I'll place all my faith in that which is eternal, that which I can access one day, but I fail to acknowledge that the Holy Spirit wants to actually move within my life and through my life every single day. Why else can I go with that statement? Well, we can just look at the life of Jesus. When we look at the life of Jesus, we see how dominant the spiritual was over the natural. And the good news for all of us here tonight is that the, the Word of God tells us we can walk as Jesus walked. Jesus didn't just walk in the natural. He lived in a natural body. He lived in a natural world. He lived with natural limitations, but He brought about spiritual change in the world around Him. It's spiritual. It's spiritual. And so I pray that the eyes of our hearts would be enlightened, that we would know Him better, but that our spiritual eyes will also open to spiritual realities around us. How does it happen? When our minds are being transformed, when our minds are being renewed under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. How does that happen? As we sit with Him, as we wait with Him, and we say, Holy Spirit, we don't have all the answers right now. We don't have all the answers right now that we are seeing on the face of this earth 
but Holy Spirit, won't you change the way that I think? Won't you change the way that I see this earthly atmosphere because I've been called to live from, an, from a different atmosphere. I'm, I'm called to live my life from heaven's perspective into this earthly realm. That's the reality that God calls us to. It's not enough to believe that Jesus paid this, this high ultimate price just to give us a couple of intellectual ideas around the natural and the spiritual. He wants us to change the way we think. And so I've entitled my message tonight that I pray sticks with you, that I pray completely gets into your heart because it's already there actually, but I hope, I pray that there's a revelation of this message. The title of my message tonight is where God makes a home, there's always a river. Where God makes a home, there's always a river. I think it's safe to say, looking at Scripture, that God absolutely loves rivers. He loves rivers. The book of Genesis, right through Scripture to the book of Revelation, we see that God loves rivers. I want you to, to declare this tonight quickly with me. I want you to declare this. I have a river of the Holy Spirit in me. Can we say it again? I have a river of the Holy Spirit in me. I feel like God is wanting us to begin to declare that more and more because when we begin to declare this on a day-to-day -day basis, we're actually beginning to change the way we think about what is inside of us. We have the person of the Holy Spirit within us and He wants to come out of us like a mighty river into this world. So what does Jesus say about rivers? What does Jesus say about rivers? John 7 Verse 37, or more specifically, what does Jesus say about the, the great river of the Holy Spirit? John 7, 37, on the last day of the feast, this was something that happened in the natural, on the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, out of his heart, out of his heart, Will flow rivers of will flow living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive, for he had yet for, for, for as yet the Spirit had not yet been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Out of our heart will flow the great river of the Holy Spirit. Two statements out of this passage that I want to make here. The first one is this is Jesus is seated in heavenly places. Jesus is seated in heavenly places and He is glorified. Death could not hold Him back. He overcame death. That's the first statement. The second statement that I want to make coming out of that passage of Scripture is that the same Spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead lives inside the church today. And we today are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? We begin to live from heaven's perspective. And there's all, there is a place where we, where we pray when we're on our knees. And there is a place where we humble ourselves and we posture ourselves before God. But there's also a place where we begin to live with an understanding that we pray from heavenly places. That we pray from a higher perspective. 
And that as we pray, the great river of the Holy Spirit begins to flow out of us because our minds have been transformed. Our minds have been renewed. In the river of God, there's refreshment. In the river of the Holy Spirit, there's life, there's resource. In the, river of, in the great river of the Holy Spirit, there's healing, there's deliverance, there's power, there's salvation. Always flows from the throne of God and of the Lamb. How? Carried by the river of the Holy Spirit. Just as Jesus has promised. Just as He's promised. He has not changed His mind. It's through the church. Empowered by the Holy Spirit. Activated by the Holy Spirit. What does it mean for us in everyday English? It means for us in everyday English that if we want to see the great river of the Holy Spirit flow through us, we need to come to a point of asking ourselves this question, who is it that sits enthroned in our hearts? Because the river will always flow from beneath the throne. If there's one thing that I pray you will take from this message tonight, it's this, is that the river of the Holy Spirit always flows from beneath the throne. Who is it that sits on the throne of your heart? Is it Jesus? If you want to see the great river of the Holy Spirit flow through your marriage, through your business, through your family, through this nation, Jesus needs to be enthroned. Can I say that again? If you want to see the great river of the Holy Spirit flow through your life, through your total being, through your total existence, ask yourself this question, is Jesus enthroned in my heart? We can cry out for revival. We can cry out for a great, great move of the Holy Spirit. But if Jesus is not enthroned, the great river of the Holy Spirit will not flow. We all want to see power. We all want to see healing. We all want to see deliverance. We all want to see this great move of the Holy Spirit. But is Jesus enthroned? On that great day, on, that, on the great day of the feast, something happening in the natural. We can jump through all our religious hoops. We can go through all our religious and traditions and all of those things. But if Jesus is not enthroned, if we do not come to Him, the river will not flow out of us. Jesus says this, he says, come to me, all who are thirsty, come to me. When we come to him, we're acknowledging him. When we come to him, what we're actually saying is, Jesus, be enthroned in my life, be enthroned on the throne in my heart. And the moment he's enthroned in our lives, in our hearts, the Holy Spirit begins to flow from beneath the throne. When God, when God makes a home, he brings a river. He brings a river. Ezekiel 47 and Revelation 22 must be, the, must be two of the most amazing passages that talks about the river of God. But in Ezekiel 47, we see there, there's the river of God and a man leads Ezekiel in this vision into the river and Stan already touched on it tonight. He, he takes him into the river and then he finds himself in a place where he's ankle deep. He find, and then a little bit further, he finds himself in a place where he's knee deep. And then a little further, where he's waist deep. And a little further. And then eventually he's in the river to such an extent that he cannot even stand in the river. He's just going where the river goes. 
Now, I'm not making a whole theological debate around it. This is just my opinion. The different levels in the river, for me, talks about the different levels of awareness of the presence of God. But can I take it one step further? The different levels of awareness to the presence of God is often dictated to by the, the willingness or our willingness to have Jesus enthroned as Lord in our lives. The more we have Jesus enthroned in our lives and the more we acknowledge Him as Lord, the more our awareness to the river of the Holy Spirit we become. And I feel like the Lord is taking people, wanting, calling people to come from, from ankle deep to knee deep, from knee deep to waist deep, from waist deep to shoulder height, from shoulder height completely in the river where we cannot even stand. We're just going where the river of the Holy Spirit wants us to go. Because there's healing. Why does God love, why does God love rivers? Because rivers represent resource. Because rivers represent life. Because rivers represent healing. Because rivers represent abundance. Abundance. You are not in poverty. I said it this morning. I want to make just a few observations around, or a few statements around the great river of the Holy Spirit. The first one is this. Is that there's been a misconception around the great river of the Holy Spirit. And this is the misconception the church believes that the great river of the Holy Spirit is a river spiritually in existence outside the believer. When Jesus says completely otherwise, he says, come to me and drink and the drink becomes a river. Come to me and drink, the drink becomes a river. Come to me and drink and the drink will become a river. The second observation around the great river of the Holy Spirit is this. Is that the great river of the Holy Spirit never needs to run dry. Revival never needs to end. A move of God never has to end. But it can. The great river of the Holy Spirit in you never needs to run dry. But it can. Psalm 36 says this, O oh God, how extravagant is your cherishing love. All mankind can find a hiding place under the shadow of your wings. All may drink their fill from the delightful springs of Eden. The great river of the Holy Spirit never needs to dry, run dry, but it can. How do we not run dry? Go where the river goes. Anton, is it that simple? Yes, it's that simple. Anton, but I've, I've been taught otherwise. I've been taught that it's a little bit more complex than that. Yep, it's called religion. It's called tradition. It's called man wanting to manipulate the great river of the Holy Spirit. It's called man wanting to control the life of God. It's called man wanting to package and sell the great river of the Holy Spirit. Just go where the river goes. Just be found in the river. And move as the river flows. Observation number three. The river of God has an endless capacity to fill us up instantly to the point of overflowing. Instantly. And then the fourth observation, the one that I absolutely love, which I feel the Lord wants to do here tonight, 
is that the, the river of the Holy Spirit turns desert places into places of life. The great river of the Holy Spirit loves turning desert places into places of life. The great river of the Holy Spirit is not intimidated by your desert place. Is not intimidated by the desert place that you find yourself in. He just wants you to surrender. He wants you to have Jesus enthroned in your life because where Jesus is enthroned, the great river of the Holy Spirit will flow. I heard, I heard a, a story a couple of months ago and the story just stuck with me. It, it, it's a story of the tree of Tenere. Has anyone heard of it? The tree of Tenere. In 1970, they discovered the most isolated tree on planet Earth. The closest other tree to this tree was 400 kilometers away. It was in, in North Africa in 1970. It was this tree in a desert place, and it was, it was actually a landmark. The military would use this tree as, as, a, as a navigational landmark to navigate their way through the desert. 400 kilometers in isolation. And people were intrigued as to why this tree survived. People were intrigued as to how this tree actually survived. Because every single year it would flower. It was an acacia tree. It would flower. It would be in leaf. It was just a happy tree in a desert place. And they sent some scientists to go and look and to go and try and figure out why this tree was just thriving the way it did. 400 kilometers away from any other tree. And they drilled next to the tree and at 37 meters they found an incredible river this tree shot its roots down 37 meters 400 kilometers away from any other tree shot its roots down into a river a source a source and it was able to thrive and I heard this story, it was, it was at, a, at, a, at another church meeting, heard this story and I thought, hey, I've got to investigate this. And I went and I asked Google, Google help me. And I found it. And I read up and all the facts that this guy was, was, was telling us were true, but there was something else that stood out to me. In 1974, uh, a, 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 a military truck came through the desert, but the driver was drunk and flattened the tree. It was, a, it was a monument. It was, it was this national monument, flattened the tree. And I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, Anton, two things. Number one, the Holy Spirit wants us to shoot our roots down into the river. The Holy Spirit wants us to shoot our roots down beyond our convenience. That, that tree had to shoot its roots down 37 meters into the source. You might be here tonight and you're saying to me, Anton, I am not experiencing the life of the Holy Spirit. I don't know when last I experienced the life of the Holy Spirit. I want to say to you, there's life beyond your convenience, beyond your comfort. It's just one step beyond your convenience. Just begin to press into Him. But there's another, there's another element here that I want to talk about very, very quickly. And that is the second part to the story. If you find yourself in isolation, the enemy will come like a drunk truck driver, even though your roots are in the river. Don't be found in isolation. God calls us to be part of a community where there's community, the river of God wants to flow. 
The river of God wants to sustain. The river of God wants to touch and move and bring change. And then the last observation that I want to make here tonight, it's this, is when God makes a home, there's always a river. He cannot be contained. I've noticed something, as I've already said. When God creates, He creates, sorry, He loves putting a river in that which He creates, in the garden, in man, and in heaven. I just want to touch on something quickly. It's, it's the Lordship of Jesus. It's the Lordship of Jesus. How is Jesus enthroned? How do we make sure Jesus is, is enthroned in our hearts? What are Jesus' T's and C's? The first one is this, is that He will not share His glory with another. He will not share His glory with another. Secondly, he wants to be desired. Jesus wants to be desired. Thirdly, he loves to be waited upon. And we've seen some of that tonight. Can I encourage this community that this is just the start? It's just a drop in the bucket. It's just the start of what God is wanting to do, but he's calling this community to become comfortable in the waiting. There's something that happens in the waiting that is so profound over this community. In the waiting, God strips us, off, strips, strips us of religion. Because we, we're surrendering our agenda. We're saying, Lord, have your agenda. We surrender our assignment and we say, Lord, have your assignment. Become comfortable in the waiting. And then lastly, and I love this, is what is, what is Jesus' T's and C's? Is He wants us to drink. The drink becomes a river. I think it, I think it was Heidi Baker that said, this, or that said this. She said that you can have as much of God as you desire. There's a, there's a friend of mine at Upper Room, and we always joke, he says, often the church comes with a little communion cup comes with a little communion cup lord fill me he wants us to drink and he wants us to drink how do we drink we drink by faith how we save by faith how do we receive by faith and it doesn't always need to be when we're in this building it can be in the comfort of your home it can be as you drive your car holy spirit i want to drink i want to drink so deep of this river because when i drink of this river that river becomes a river in me. Can you stand with me? I want to pray for us. Let's just close our eyes. Let's just wait on Him for a moment. Thank you, Jesus. Out of you will flow a river. Out of you will flow living water. Let's keep our eyes closed. 
where Jesus is not enthroned in areas of our lives. I just feel Jesus is, Jesus is asking, Jesus is calling people to surrender areas in our lives where he's not enthroned. Just do that now. Just do that now. Just begin to say, Jesus, I surrender. Jesus, won't you be enthroned? Jesus, I've tried to do this in my own strength. I've tried to do that in my own strength. Jesus, won't you be enthroned? Because where Jesus is enthroned, the great river of the Holy Spirit will flow. Watch. Just watch. Just as a response tonight, if if you want to drink, I'm going to ask you just to quickly come to the front. And I know it's probably going to be a lot of people. Try to keep your meter distance. But just come to the front. reminded of that that passage in Amos where Jesus or where the Lord speaks and he, he asks this question he says when is the last time you sang to me when is the last time you sang to me just in your surrender tonight just begin to sing begin to sing a new song begin to sing a new song Begin to release the sound of heaven. Allow the the great river of the Holy Spirit to begin to move through you. Just begin to sing. Just begin to sing in your own words. If, if If you can sing in the Spirit, just begin to sing. Jesus, be enthroned. Be enthroned in every life here tonight. Be lifted up. Be lifted up. Be enthroned. Be enthroned in every heart here tonight. Out of our hearts will flow will flow a great river of the Holy Spirit. 
Be enthroned, Jesus. Be enthroned, Jesus. Be enthroned, Jesus. In the life of this church, be enthroned, Jesus, I pray. Mm-hmm.